On today's Pick and Pod, we start things off with the Knicks and Nets move into March Madness around eight minutes in and talk to Spiro Didis, radio voice of the Knicks and college basketball broadcaster at CBS around the 18-minute mark. From our WFUV studios in the Bronx, New York, it's the Pick and Pod. Drop us a voicemail at 347-903-WFUV. Now, here are your hosts, Penny Ducey and Matt Rosenfeld. Picking pod time on March 26, 2014. Kenny Ducey, Matt Rosenfeld, Kevin Kelly on the phone because we love him so much. We can't get enough of Kevin Kelly. He's feeling a little under the weather today, so everyone wish Kevin Kelly the best of, of luck recovering. How you, do, how you doing, Kev? I'm all right. I'm hanging in there, guys. Been trying to fight this off since the weekend, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I could call in. What, we, what, what is today? Today is Today's Wednesday. No, 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 Matt said you said today. Oh before. yeah, I was gonna say today is the bye bye Knicks edition of it the is. Pick and Pod. It is, and for more on that, we'll talk to Spiro Didis, the radio voice of the New York Knicks, uh, and also he is a voice of the NCAA tournament on CBS. We'll talk to him about both both aspects. Really looking forward to that college game and the NBA game. Yeah, it'll be it'll be real fun, uh, and of course he's a WFUV alum, so that'll be very fun and. Uh, we do want to start, though, with the Knicks because they continued to Knicks last night in the most Knicks way um, on the uh, on national television. They let the Lakers score 51 points in the third quarter. Oof. They didn't communicate on switches. Pablo Prigioni went under screens and let and let the Lakers shoot the lights out from three. People just left like literally. People just like Amon Schumer just left Ryan Kelly wide open. Like he literally ran away from Ryan Kelly to go help uh, I, in the paint and just left him wide open when I, there was already two people there. I mean, just I I watched the entire third quarter again today. It was despicable. I knew the Knicks were no defensive juggernauts. I didn't know they were going to give up fifty one points to not not your father's Lakers, to say the least. No, <laughs> Xavier Henry. Xavier Henry. Ken Bazemore, the Bazed God. <laughs> Everyone loves Ken Bazemore. Kendall Marshall. Uh, these are players that shouldn't be doing this against the Knicks. That's the thing about Kendall Marshall, which was really irritating me watching those, those uh, that whole third quarter. Was Kendall Marshall? You know, he takes like five seconds to shoot the three. Oh, it's, like, it's you need almost. to give him a lot of space. And this is something that Pablo Prigioni. As as much as you you know you, you can like him for his effort and his you know kind of peskiness on defense at times his ball distribution you can't guard anyone actually it's like he goes under every single screen or not every single screen but most screens and because the reason I don't you, say it because I noticed he went over a screen and just followed Jody Meeks around the perimeter at one point in that third quarter but for the most part he was just letting them shoot open threes well why why is he going I mean it's a coaching point almost like is he ignoring they're told what they're supposed to do on screens usually against a certain matchup is he neglecting coach Woodson's orders or is he just not is smart enough is, is he not trying getting physical enough to go over the screen I don't know what it is I would guess he's a little soft if I was gonna guess I, I, I wouldn't go that far, but I would say that Mike Woodson's thinking is very flawed. I mean, he went to the zone. He went to zone after Which, the Lakers were just draining triples. I, I did not. I was working last night. I didn't see that third quarter. And when you told me they went to his zone, I I was speechless. What is that? Like, NBA <laughs> players can hit open shots. It's not college. Yeah. yeah, well, the thing I don't get, like, everybody's talking about the third quarter, but Lakers outscored the Knicks by 16 in the second quarter, too. 
It was just domination, and Pau Gasol wasn't even playing. He had vertigo. There's no excuse <laughs> for what happened. There's no excuse. No, no excuse at all. This was this was Jody Meeks and Ryan Kelly and Kent Bazemore and Xavier Henry beating the Knicks and just obliterating them. It was a, a massacre. And I will be actually, I think, because this has just stirred up so much in me, writing a, a kind of a defensive... Um, a farewell? Farewell, yes. A defensive goodbye to the Knicks. Just showing them... Just basically... Because I took some just some money screenshots uh, of just people not... Like, there oh, was, like people lost in right. defense? Well, well, when they went to the zone, right? There's a perfect example of... Um, so they start out in a 2-3 zone, and I, I forget exactly who the... I think it was Marshall and Bazemore at the time out there. Kendall Marshall uh, on the left wing passes to Bazemore at top of the key. And literally both Prigioni and J.R. Smith go go right to Bazemore. And, like, they both collapse on him. And then both wings are open. And and then so that, you know, Ryan Kelly's wide open on the right wing. And well, Mello's in the middle of the paint. He doesn't want to come out and hedge. Yeah, no. Someone's got to hedge. It's just, just literally there's no communication. There's no awareness on defense with the Knicks. Well, you could probably count on one hand how many times the Knicks or any other team have gone to a zone. So I can't imagine there's a lot of reps getting run in that and that's what happens you you got you don't know how to communicate you don't know how to rotate and you leave wide open perimeter players and then you get ryan kelly beating you <laughs> ryan kelly it's it's amazing before we we kind of get off the next kev any i mean final thoughts because it does seem like this is a team that's not going to make the playoffs and if we remember correctly um or if you if you just you know go back a, a few days this team was two and a half games out of a spot in the playoffs after Toronto yeah. lost, or Toronto gifted them a win, they got they, they got they, beat they took the care of the Hawks. Yeah, and then yeah, they go out to a, lose to Cleveland and then lose to the Lakers like this. That's what I was just going to say. When you lose to the Cavs and the Lakers back to back, it's just a shame. You can't. I mean, like you guys were saying about everybody before, but Kent Bazemore couldn't even play for the Warriors, and now he was just a bench guy who gave him energy, and now he's scoring eighteen points. It doesn't make any sense. And the, the Knicks are, are really in trouble. And Phil Jackson, I think, even had a comment that it was it was awful. I'm pretty sure I saw. Well, I'm really I'm he really did. interested in, to know, and I'm, I'm probably going to spear this. When you're two, you'd see a light at the end of the tunnel. You'll, you're two and a half games out if you're the Knicks. You haven't had a good season, but there is the eighth spot up for grasp. Where's the Where's the drive? Where's the fire underneath you to say like? All right, if we just bust it for these twelve games, like if we really play well for a short stretch. We can make the playoffs. Like this has been a terrible year, and the playoffs were in grasp. And then you go to LA and you lose to a a bad Lakers team. Uh, no, you don't lose. You get blown out by a bad Lakers team. You just gotta wonder where the drive is in the team. There's no. Yeah. Uh, and and Tyson Chandler said that. I mean, he you know he was like you have to wonder where. Uh, some I'm paraphrasing here, but he he said something along the lines of. You know, it, it's. I don't really know what to say at this point. I guess about the about the effort and the heart and the drive and whatnot. Um, but I mean, a de- a definitely a lot different of you know than the team that we saw this three games ago, back at Madison Square Garden on the home stretch. So I mean, this is definitely going to determine their playoff fate. It's West Coast swing, and then you know, if you look at April. I mean, they're 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 going to get beaten up in yeah. April. So yeah, it's going to be ugly. And we'll talk to Spear a little more. About that, one of the teams that the Knicks play in April, of course, the Brooklyn Nets. They play them twice. They play them next Wednesday, and Matt Rosenfeld 
you know, you are our resident Nets reporter. I am a Nets reporter. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like they're not they're going to get that force. No, back. no, I don't think they're going to. I think the, the Raptors play a bunch of cupcakes the rest of the way, and the Bulls are a better team than the Nets, I would say. I think the best-case scenario, if you're the Nets, is you get a five-seed and Toronto shows up in that four spot because – the Nets haven't had the best best of luck with the Bulls besides that one game where they really did step up. I mean, as a Nets, if I was a Nets, you know, personnel, I'd much rather see the Raptors, who they can beat, they can probably beat consistently. And one of the games they lost to them was a giveaway when Darren Williams threw a terrible inbound pass to give the game away. So I think they could luck out if they don't get in that four seed and end up with the Raptors and then – why can't they beat the Raptors? I think they're very capable. Well, Matt, do you think they'll actually stay in that five spot, or do you think Washington could even take them over? Uh, they're no, only one no. game back in the win column. No, I, I don't really see Washington. Washington is a tad, is not a tad, a bit overrated, if you ask me. I don't know. I, I like the Beal-Wall combo. Oh, I mean, outside of that, I do kind of agree with you. No, but I, I don't like know. I, I feel like they might be able to do it, though. They could, but I don't see the Nets really faltering. I don't. They don't play the toughest of schedules coming up. I, I mean, you said it for yourself. They got the Knicks twice. They got the Pistons, the Sixers, the Magic. Still, they they're probably going to win the game. They've been winning games they're supposed to. Sands last night or Monday against the Pelicans. That was a terrible loss. But you know they're playing well enough. Well, they'll take care of business against those teams, and they'll probably cruise to a five seed if you ask me. All right. So yeah, we I got, see that too. Yeah. I, I think I think they'll stick right in that five. We got to talk about March Madness before we get to Spiro, um, because March Madness is it's ra- it's rad- the best. it's radness. It's, it's the radness. best. And my bracket is fine. How's your bracket, Matt Rosen? My bracket is it has Michigan du- winning. I'm, I'm sure it does have Michigan winning. Go blue, and it has its complete final four is completely set. I mean, a couple of my elite eight teams are gone, but I've Mich- I rely completely on Michigan and pretty much Iowa State. Because those are the outlier teams I have going further than people. So I'm hopeful right now, but I'm not uncomfortable. I got Connecticut in the Elite Eight, Arizona winning it all. Well, well, you well, have Michigan winning it all, right? Michigan and winning Kev, it all. who do you have winning yeah, it all? Yeah, Kev, what's your situation? Uh, are, you, are you bringing it up because you know? You know that I picked Wichita State? Oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot. Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. I didn't know. Well, <laughs> yeah. Who else you got in your uh, Final yeah, Four, though? How else you got in your what's Final that? Four? Who else you got in your Final Four, though? Okay, well, Florida and Michigan State are still alive, but the entire right side of my bracket's ruined. Florida and Michigan State I feel pretty good about, even though UCLA, I think, will be a pretty tough matchup for Florida. And the one thing that I have to say is I had New Mexico beating Kansas instead of Stanford. I, I really had a feeling Kansas was going to go down. I just picked it the wrong oh, see, way. I thought, Syracuse, I thought Syracuse was going to take them down. Uh, I, no, I, no. Tyler Ennis, two shots to win the game. I just thought they would be able to. I didn't know Embiid's situation. I didn't know if he'd be. I thought he was going to be back if they played the second weekend. I thought they were I still talented. Thought Syracuse would beat him though. I I think Syracuse was so overrated this year. I thought Kansas had enough talent to get past. You know that obviously the 15 seed Eastern Kentucky and then a Stanford or New Mexico team, but I was clearly wrong. I mean, either yeah. way, though, like, you can't kick yourself for this because if you see Kansas and Syracuse as overrated or at least Kansas as upset-prone because no Embiid, um, I mean, I had New Mexico and Ohio State. I mean, even if you had Dayton, 
I mean, I don't think you. I don't think you had either of these no, teams no, no, in the no. No, in no, the Elite Eight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that you were either a guy. Okay, okay, Syracuse is gonna get lucky because this upset's gonna happen. Or even K- an Ohio State Kansas guy. Like, you could see somebody right, yeah, I saying, had, "I had Ohio State over Dayton," and that was a last minute choice for me. I was like, but, you know, I think. But I think well, you know, we around here we while we see a lot of A10 basketball, so we right. kind of knew Dayton was a little little bit of a I, sleep. I, a, you know what's so sad is I tweeted. That I was like, watch out for Dayton as an upset pick. I tweeted that, and, and Ohio then I State, forgot that Ohio I tweeted State, it. I've seen a lot of, and they're they were they didn't they can't score. They have one good player who can score, so it was a very prone game for an upset. I was dumb enough to pick Ohio State, but yeah, like you said, that that region of the bracket, I don't think anyone had Dayton Stanford being the game to get to the Elite Eight. Either at Kansas or you had Syracuse, or by some chance you had maybe a New Mexico or Ohio State, but Stanford Dayton is kind of an outlier there. Let's look at the remaining yeah. teams, guys. Um, and I want to get Kevin here first. Out of the remaining teams that you see, uh, Florida, UCLA, uh, Arizona, I, I don't know Kentucky, if I'd say Louisville. San Diego State, uh, Wisconsin, uh, let's say, yeah, Kentucky or Louisville, Michigan, even Connecticut to me. I yeah, think no, maybe? Connecticut is Virginia or scary. Michigan State. I mean, which of these teams like are going to make it to the Final Four I, uh, and well, be the most dangerous? Well, I think Connecticut's going to have real trouble. I know you really like him with Boat, right? And Baz. Baz. But, um, Baz is great. I, think, I agree that San Diego State just doesn't have the firepower to take down Arizona. We, we've seen that their offense is not what it should be to get to this point in the tournament. I really thought that uh, they would have they been taken out by now. I thought North Dakota State could beat them, and North Dakota State just had a horrible shooting game. Um, but as for, I think, Florida is still in good shape. Uh, I really uh, the Virginia Michigan State matchup is really interesting because I do oh, think gonna be great the one. winner of that will go to the Final Four. I don't think it'll be Iowa State or Connecticut. Iowa State without uh, Niang, it's, it's just going to be tough for them to advance. I do like Louisville, Michigan. Matt, I know you like, but I just don't know how I feel. About I them. I'm going to be genuinely honest. I am so biased towards the Wolverines, obviously, <laughs> but like I keep looking and I'm like, this team is by far the best offensive team left in the tournament. Now that doesn't mean that they're going to win. Because teams like Arizona and Florida are playing – Arizona specifically is playing lights out. But I'm going to be completely honest. I, I see Michigan coming out, and it's not even looking at it biased. I don't think – if they get Louisville, I know they'll beat Louisville. But Kentucky is obviously a tough matchup. I, I wanted to say that about Arizona before we, we get off this subject. And obviously we'll revisit it next week. Arizona, to me, I was really, really nervous and just completely unsure about that title pick. I, I, I almost feel like the reason I picked them to win is because all year I've been saying they're going to win the national title because they, their defense is so great. Aaron Gordon's just um, un- I don't know if you saw that yeah, putback dunk. No, yeah, he's, un- are... he's unbelievable. Um, they are just completely like reassuring me that they can they can win this thing. I know they they can win this thing. I don't know if they will, but they Agreed. definitely can. Their I'm defense a... is they've, they've been really yeah. really good on defense. Their defensive effort is by far and away the best I've seen in the tournament, and they have the talent to keep it up. And Tarzuski's playing really well down low, they... and kind of making them forget about the loss of Ashley. Exactly. You have Tarzuski and Gordon now down there. I yeah. I can't see Arizona losing that, especially at Wisconsin. Didn't really show me much last last game. Baylor's a great team, but. They don't have the firepower to compete with Arizona. Arizona, I think, will cruise to that Final Four spot. And then you look at yeah, I think they have an easier road to make it there. I, I do like Arizona getting there. And, and honestly, if you if you say that the possible opponents are either playing probably Michigan or Louisville, and then and then it could be Florida or, or well, they played Michi- they beat Michigan by one in Michigan earlier this year. That was a, a game a long time ago. I, I remember the teams that game. are different different now, but you got to I mean 
even me as a Michigan fan, I think Arizona is the better team. I don't know if they'll win that game, but it's it's they're got an advantage over right. Michigan. Right. The, the point is the road is paved for Arizona. Like there is a road oh, for yeah. them to walk more to, so to than the, any to other go, team. Not walk to the title game, but to get to the title game. And yeah. I think I think they could. Do, I mean, Louisville too. They've been really great this year. I think if they can get past Kentucky, I feel like that. As much as people like to like discount the existence of momentum, I think that they that kind it. of could keep to bring them past Michigan in they the seriously, Final Four. Kentucky is awesome. The right one thing now. I have to say Either about what, the winner of that game is, you know. and Louisville, Michigan. You said yeah. Uh, I, that that would be really tough. I'd go with Louisville just because I don't like Michigan as much. But at the other day, Matt, you sent the text that said Michigan had the best offensive team, and you just said it again. And the other day, I really tried to think about it because I did not believe they were the best, and I thought about it, and I think they are. Well, just, I mean, I, I, they rely so much on the three ball that obviously it's like cliche. That not, but they're good. They shoot it at a forty percent clip, and not only are am I just saying that because I watch them a lot and I know they have a good offense. They're the highest rated Ken Palm offensive team. Left. K- Creighton was ahead of them. They're out. Duke was ahead of them. They're out. I'm so mad about that's Mc- it. McBuckets. Oh, Michigan. I wanted to see more McBuckets too. Michigan scores at an insane clip. It's just whether or not they can play defense and rebound well enough to go far, which is a question I can admit. I don't know though. You know what though? If there was anyone who I I, I would have been able to be like accepting of that McBuckets loss, beatdown, whatever you want to call it. Isaiah Austin, uh, he is my boy. I love Isaiah Austin. They're, they're a very cool. Yeah, team he's awesome. Great story too. It, yeah, and I think like well, it, and he was he's blind in one eye, but he never told anybody until like till he was in high school. No, yeah, yeah, last year and he's got yeah. a fake eye. Yeah, and he still can shoot the three, which is right. I can't shoot the three with two eyes, Kenny. Yeah, I don't he, know how he's he a really he's a depth reception. It's just insane yeah, that he can he, shoot as well. He's a as he really does. good shooter. He's obviously just like very very tall. Uh, I, I really like him. They and did like, a piece on him in College Game Day a while back, and I remember watching it. And if you could find it on the internet, go watch it. It's tremendous. It's insane. He had to teach himself to shoot again. Ridiculous. Um, and I, yeah, he's I, I I don't know about his NBA prospects, but I mean he'll make it. And yeah. he'll get drafted. They have a chance. He has but a chance. Yeah, he's projected if, as a second rounder. I yeah, think, right I, now. I think I see he would be higher if he had sight in both eyes. It's really a shame. I, I think also this if he was like he's a stick. Like I, I think yeah. if he gets there, he works a little bit. He gets a little bigger. I could definitely see him being a big contributor. I mean, look at like a Channing Fry. Like look at Channing Fry, like low key a, a really important player in the West because the Phoenix Suns are a team that's like they're they're a budding, you know, oh, they are contender. A contender. And Next year, look out. Channing Fry is a big part of it. I mean, he shoots he 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 makes life difficult because he can shoot the the outside and shot. He, he's got good length. He can yeah, guard, I, I he can guard he, many positions. Decent comparison. Is it is a good comparison and if Isaiah like you said, if he fills out a little bit and can you know, man up a little bit more on some of the bigger bodies in the NBA, yeah. why can't he succeed and have a career like that? Yeah. All right, now it's time to welcome in Spiro Didis, WFUV alum, radio voice of the Knicks, and college basketball broadcaster for CBS Sports. And Spiro, it must have just been a, a brutal, a brutal one to call last night. Just describe that game. You know, it just, it just looked like a team that was tired. Uh, it looked like a team that still hadn't quite gotten over the, the loss on Sunday to Cleveland when they blew that 17-point lead and, and knew full well that that could very well have been a game that that cost them a postseason berth. I think you you put that. All together, and you know, you have last night. It was just, uh, it was a brutal loss. You know, Spiro, you're around the Knicks all the time. Kenny's even around the Knicks plenty more than me. What's the attitude like in the locker room after a loss like that? The playoffs were 
not within grasp, but you could see a light. What's the attitude like in that locker room? Very quiet. You know, there's a there's a sobering feeling when you you go into a locker room after a game like last night, um, because you know an NBA player like any professional athlete, you're confident until the very end, until you're basically eliminated from playoff contention or eliminated from the playoffs. Last night, I felt like you you really got the sense that some of these guys are, you know, they're they're allowing some of that doubt to creep in. Um, and and that's you know that's where they are right now. You know you look at the standings. There's 11 games left. You're four out in the loss column. Uh, you know the, the guys know how difficult the schedule is. Nine of the last ten against playoff bound teams. You know now you're, you're getting to the point where you realize that you you're running out of time or you've already run out of time. And that's you know as an NBA player that's you know that's when the doubt starts to creep in. So. You know, we'll, you'll see how they come out tonight. You still have four games left on the trip. It's certainly not over yet. Anything can happen. You know, it's it's the Eastern Conference. We we've seen that. You know, no lead is safe. No team is safe. And uh, you know, we'll see how they come out tonight. I mean, if you had to guess, would you guess that this team misses or makes the playoffs? Because you look at April, and you look at even you know the rest of this West Coast swing. I mean, it's going to be a very difficult road ahead. You know, if I mean, if you held a gun to my head, I'd say it's 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 a pretty insurmountable lead at this point to make up four games in the loss column. Um, but but again, if we've learned anything in the, in the Eastern Conference this year, guys, it's that no you know no team is is immune from a letdown. You know, Atlanta is certainly with the injuries that they have is is capable of losing games that they should win and, and vice versa. So you, you just don't know, but it's it's getting to the point now where you, you simply just you can't give away a game to a team that's, you know, over 20 games under 500 and sputtering to the end. I mean, no Pau Gasol last night. I mean, that's, that's a game that you just have to have if you're trying to get back into this chase. And, and Spiro, at that game last night, Phil Jackson talking with you know, Meta World Peace, a <clears> couple of Knicks fans, well, at least Former Nick, uh, Metal World Peace, a couple of their favorite guys, and uh, Mark Berman of the Post wrote a nice article talking with you about Phil Jackson, and you're obviously a guy who's been around him uh, plenty before. Do you think that this is a, a situation that he can turn around quickly, or do you see this happening in the in maybe four to five years? And really, I mean, what kind of personnel moves will he he make in your in your mind? Well, I don't. I don't think it's it's a quick fix by any stretch. I think Phil realizes that. I think that's why he probably took as as much time as he did to to figure out if he wanted to do this. Because once Phil, you know, puts his mind to something and, and makes a decision, he's all in. And I think people that know him and the people that have been around him uh, understand that about his personality. Uh, this is this is not going to be something that's that's fixed overnight. I mean, obviously they're going to make the playoffs or not, and then once the season ends, he's going to have to sit down and and make some hard decisions. The the one thing we do know is that from from a team standpoint, this is this is basically the next team for for the next year. You know, there's there's limited things that he can do with the salary cap and and with free agency um, based on the contracts that they have. I, I think the one big decision that he can make to impact the team is who his coach is going to be, and he'll either decide that it's Mike Woodson, who we all really like and respect being around the team and being around Mike the last couple of years. Or Phil will decide that he wants to bring in someone else and and really start to change the culture from the inside out. But that really is is the only thing that he can do in terms of making a change the first year, just just based on what the salaries are. Um, and then at that point, 
you know, depending on who the coach is, is it is it the triangle that he wants him to run? Is it another system? Then you start to fill out what kind of team and personnel you're going to have. But that, to me, is the is basically the first big domino that'll fall. You know, who Phil decides to be as his coach. Well, you mentioned the coaching change. I think, well, I personally expect it to happen. And my question to you is, who out there is the best option for the Knicks coach if it's not Mike Woodson? Oh, I don't know, guys. That's that's tough. You know, I mean, because of Phil's background with the triangle, you know, my my first guess would be someone who would either run it or someone who is is open to that kind of offensive philosophy, where you know, ball movement, uh, player movement. You know, th- those kinds of principles, I think Phil made pretty clear during his press conference that he wants to incorporate with this team. You know, obviously Phil comes from a culture of, of how the Knicks played in the 70s where ball movement was king. You know, it's it's it was just the way that they played, and I think it's it's always been in his heart in terms of how a basketball team should, should play offense. And that's that's the one thing that we'll see. I think we will see. And you know, Phil. We all know the the names from his background. You know, the guys that he's coached with, guys that he's that he's coached, um, guys that have been around him. I, I do think it'll be someone from that group if he decides that it's not going to be Mike Woodson. I don't think that decision has been made yet. I think Phil has has a very open mind about things. He's got an open heart, and he'll sit down with Mike and you know see see where they want to go, and then they'll just kind of make a decision at that point. Spiro, let's let's switch it to the uh, NCAA tournament because the Knicks are quite sad. And uh, well, you know, you obviously <laughs> called uh, you know the f- first couple rounds from Spokane, Washington, and you know I, I did the NCAA tournament for women's side, so we're, we're pretty much equals at this point. Um, uh, I want to ask sure. you, yeah, I mean, how brutal is that preparation? Maybe not brutal, but just you know, how much time does that take? Because there's so many teams that you need to prep for. Obviously, the second round gets a little, or third round, whatever they call it now, gets a little bit easier. Uh, for you, because you've seen a team once, but I mean, what 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 is that prep work like? Well, um, you know, selection Sunday. I'm I'm sitting around the house, just kind of watching watching TV and watching the games, and you watch the selection show. And about an hour hour and a half later, you get a call from CBS saying you're going to Spokane. So the first thing you do, you you know, you lock yourself in your office and get on in front of your computer. You, you check out the game schedule for that site and you literally bunker down, or at least I do for from Sunday night until it's time to leave to, to go to your site, which for me was, uh, was Tuesday morning. So, you know, you stock up the fridge, <laughs> you get your, uh, you know, you get your notes out, you get your coffee and, and you basically just start cramming. You know, I tell people all the time, it's, it's, it feels like I'm back at Fordham and I'm cramming for a midterm, you know, getting ready for, for a um, yeah, you know, so, but it's it's great. I mean, it, the payoff is always that first day, you know, that Thursday for me last week being in Spokane and, and walking into the arena. It's just, there's, there's very few feelings I think you can get in this business that, that can match that, you know, because it just, it takes you back to why you fell in love with the sport. You know, there's an energy in there. There's, there's a feeling amongst these kids, these student athletes, that this is their moment. You know, this is, this is what their whole life comes down to, what their whole career comes down to, because most of them won't be pro players. They, don't, they, they won't get to the next level. And as an announcer, you want to give them their due. You want to make sure you're as prepared as possible. You want to know every storyline, every angle, because, you know, this moment is, is their moment. And I, and I always want to give them their, their, their due and their justice. And, you know, it's just, it's just a really, really fun atmosphere and a great experience. And luckily this year we had two great games. You know, to have two overtime games that first day was pretty, pretty awesome. 
Spiro, you called Harvard over Cincinnati the sexy, the sexy pick in the first round, and well, the sexy pick now seems to be Michigan State to come out of the East. Everyone's all over the tournament Tom bandwagon. So why should I believe that they're going to come out of MSG as the East Regional Champion? Well, because they're fully healthy, and when this team has been at full strength, they've been almost unbeatable, you know, and, and specifically when Brandon Dawson has played, um, their record I think now is like 23-2 and two when he's been in the lineup. I mean, that's that's pretty good, especially in this day and age, in this season in college basketball, where there really hasn't been a dominant team that's been infallible, you know, during the course of a season, so... You know, if you're if you're a betting man, if you want to have something as close to the sure thing, uh, you know, to me, Michigan State is as good a team as there is right now. I mean, they they walked into the gym, guys, for for practices on Wednesday last week, and it, I, I thought I was looking at, at an NBA team. I mean, they're they're a physically imposing group. Dawson is is a man. I mean, Adrian Payne is a beast. You know, 41 points in that in that second round game on Thursday was was incredible. Um, if they stay healthy and if they stay out of foul trouble, that's as tough and out as there is in college basketball. It's just that simple. Spiro, I was actually just in, in the back talking to our executive producer, Bob Ahrens, and he was saying he was at the first championship game at M- or the last championship game at MSG, I think like 51 years ago, which is just absurd. Of course he was. Yeah, exactly. He's everywhere. <laughs> um, now, obviously, they're moving back here for the regional, the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Um, and I can I can say from being at the Big East that it was really loud in there. I can't imagine how how great it's going to be there. Um, do you see New York kind of returning as a future site for some NCAA tournament games because the Barclays Center is in discussions to maybe bring one back? And uh, you know, it, it just what do you think that's going to be like as someone who's you know in the Garden day in and day out? No, oh, I think it'll be wild. I mean, I, I know people that are trying to get tickets, and I'm hearing some of the average ticket prices. It's just it's incredible. To me, you know, any any big sporting event or any big basketball event has to have some kind of a presence at Madison Square Garden, you know, or or Barclays Center, whatever the case may be. It's just it's the ultimate city game, and it's you know it's the mecca of basketball. It's it's all that stuff, you know. And I, I know, you know, the middle part of the country fancies itself as as the basketball heartland, and that's that's great. I mean, they should have at least one round in the Midwest, I think, every year in the tournament. But they also should have you know regional finals, I think, at Madison Square Garden, and I. I would love to see this become an annual thing where whether it's a regional final, whether it's a, a final four, whatever the case may be, that the Garden or somewhere on the East Coast in New York City has some kind of a presence in the tournament. It's just it's a special place. And as we've all seen, the bigger the game at the Garden, the, the bigger the feeling, you know, the higher the feeling, the more exciting it is. And anyone who's experienced that, who's been in that building for a big game, certainly understands what I'm talking about. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm just bummed, you know, we're going to be out west and, uh, and we won't be able to be there in person and check it out. Okay, Spiros, I'm a huge Michigan fan, so I would be really remiss if I didn't ask you a question about the Wolverines. Am I crazy to think that they have a good shot to return to the Final Four for a second straight year? Because people are giving me looks like, they're not going to make it. And I'm just looking at them like they're the best team in their region left. What do you think about the Midwest region? Guys, this is, I mean, you're not crazy to think any of these teams can make it. Are you kidding me? I mean, anyone who's watched college basketball this year knows that any team has a chance. There's no team that you can say, you know, I mean, they just they just don't have it, you know, especially at this time, especially the teams that are left. Um, I saw Michigan in February against Wisconsin, and I was, I was thoroughly impressed with what John Beeline has done. 
you know, to have the injuries, to, to lose Mitch McGarry early in the year, and obviously to lose some of the kids that left uh, with graduation with, with Trey and, and Tim Hardaway, we all felt like they were going to take a step back. But John Beeline has proven that he is truly one of the great college basketball coaches in the country. The guy's an innovator. He coaches differently. He just has like a different approach to to offensive play at the collegiate basketball level that, that has always impressed me. And I love his demeanor, his temperament. You know, he, he's the kind of coach that empowers his players. And he gathered them together before the season, and he said, look, this is the hand we've been dealt. This is what we're going to do. And he has led that group to this point. And I, I give Michigan a wonderful chance of getting through this weekend and, and advancing. I really, really like their team. That, good man. Thank you. And, and I, I do, I do want to ask before we, we get out of here, maybe it's, you know, since you're not doing the rest of the, the games in the NCAA tournament, you can give us a concrete answer on this one. Uh, I mean, who do you have winning? And, how, I mean, how's your bracket done so far? I'm very curious to know. I'm, I'm actually, I'm a little embarrassed to say I don't, I don't even fill out brackets, guys. I just, I'm, oh, I'm, so, I'm so inundated with, with just like getting ready for the tournament, you know, and, and I did it the first couple of years and I did so bad that it almost like hurt my feelings. So I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to do it anymore. It just, it crushed my ego. I, I didn't want to see how bad my, my picks would have been. But um, at this point, yeah, for me, it's, it's Florida, Michigan State. I mean, I know it's, it's kind of the easy pick, but I mean, those are, those those two groups are like men, men among boys, you know, and I would love to see those two in the final. I'd also like to see, you know, maybe a Michigan team or, you know, one of the other teams get through and, and have a chance to get to that final game. Well, Spiro, it was such a pleasure talking to you today from the West Coast and ha- have a good time on the call tonight of Kings Knicks. And once again, Spiro, a WFUV, long voice of the Knicks on the radio, and uh, you can check him out tonight on the radio calling the game. Thanks so much. Thanks, Spiro. Thanks, guys. Had a good time. To me, that was one of the most insightful interviews I think we've had. Oh, I love Spiro as a broadcaster, and he, he knows what he's talking about. He's around the Knicks all the time, give great Knicks insight, and love tournament talk around this time. Well, I'm interested because, you know, you, I think you were, you were just saying you were kind of shaky about Michigan, and now, I mean, he's got to instill that just, you know, un, unbreakable confidence inside of you that they're going to go far. I mean, at least Michigan State. Either, I mean, obviously you don't like Michigan State, but I think both of those teams he talked about, I think they have a good shot to, to, to make a run. Well, I was shocked how confident he was in Michigan State. You know, I've, I've watched them a few times watching a lot of Big Ten basketball, and they are a very talented team. But the way he talked about him, his, his voice lit up. I mean, you can't help but be confident for the Spartans at this point. I don't know. I'm still I'm still all about Baz. I think Baz is going to meet Michigan State in the Elite Eight, and then we'll see what happens from there. But I don't know. I, I, I'm still I'm still saying Arizona gets wins the title. But all right, I think it's time for picks. So if you can remember way way back to the week three of our picks, March twelfth, uh, Kevin went four and seven. I was Ugh. five and six. Matt was seven and six. So that oh. brings our total stands. You're at eighteen and nine. I'm at thirteen and fourteen. Kev. Is at well, he's at twelve and fifteen. So we all need some great, some great weeks. Or Kevin and I need some great yeah, weeks. Yeah, be right least. back. Yeah. Gotta catch a plane to yeah. Vegas. Uh, all right, yeah. It's almost ahead. time for people to start betting against. <laughs> and with me. All right, Matt, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. All right, uh, Nets at Bobcats. We'll start off with the Nets are giving two points to Charlotte, uh, and I'm going to go with the Nets. Oh, I'm going to go with the Nets as well. They're they need this game, and they're going to get it. Yeah, I'm going to go Nets too. I saw him beat the Bobcats last week, so let's see. All right, Phoenix gets uh, one and a half against at Washington. Uh, and I like Phoenix in this game. I'm going to go Washington. I don't like teams that travel across the country to play on the road. 
time difference, jet lag. Give me Washington in a game where Phoenix kind of sleeps through. I'm going to go Phoenix. I think they might be able to do this. All right, Toronto is giving three and a half to Boston. Um, I, I I think Toronto's going to cover. I don't think that's think even. That, I, think I don't cover. think that's even a question. Toronto. Yeah, Toronto is covering. All right, Cleveland at Detroit, and Detroit is a six-point favorite. And I'm going to say Cleveland. I'm going Cleveland as well. I'm also saying Cleveland, actually. Oh, no. Now I feel like I should change. No, no. <laughs> for, stand, for standing sake. Go, no, know? go for the wins. you got to play your game. Just so you know, we all we, we three of the four games we've selected so far, we've all been unanimous. Decisions. Well, they're easy picks. Sorry. Clippers at uh, Pellies. <laughs> Pellies are giving seven to, or getting seven from the Clippers. Uh, I'll say the Clippers cover. I'm going to go with the Clippers as well. I hate to do that to you, Kenny, but I can't see the Pellies really doing much. You know, I'll take the Pellies. Oh, Kevin's Kevin's taking the first. Anthony loss. Davis, big game. Anthony right. Davis yeah. is okay. Oh, yeah. There are a couple coming up here that that are kind of Divisive. Miami and Miami, Indiana. I mean, that's a big one. And Indiana is two point favorites in this game, and I am going with Miami in this game. I'm going with Miami too because they're riding the ship. They know they have to, and the Pacers are still sinking. If you're paying, if anyone's paying attention, twenty five Street. I'm gonna go oh, sorry, Indiana, I thought this, even though, they said the Sixers for some reason. I'm gonna go, yeah, so I'm going to go Indiana, even though my boy Paul George is having some issues off the court. All right, well, hey, big, maybe I mean, Ray Allen's out. Uh, might be out tonight, so that would be a, a big factor. It is a factor. Atlanta at Minnesota. The T-Wolves are six-point favorites in this game. I'm going to take Atlanta to crush the hopes of the Knicks. Uh, as much as I want to take Atlanta to crush the hopes of the Knicks, every time they're about to, they blow a game, so I'm going to go with Minnesota by about 8 to 10. Exactly. I'm going Minnesota as well for the same reason. All right, Denver at San Antonio, and San Antonio is is giving Denver 13 and a half. Who you got, Kenny? Oh, I got to start? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say Denver. I think I think, don't think San Antonio is going to cover. And uh, you know what? They will cover now that I said that. Sorry, San Antonio is a machine, and Denver plays less defense than you on intramurals, Kenny. I'm going with San Antonio. San Antonio as well. I think it'll it'll be a demolishing. <sighs> All right, Knicks Kings. It's a toss up here. It's a push. I'll go Knicks. 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 Kings. Oh, you're dumb. All right. Uh, I just want. Hey, I'm doing it. I'm doing it with a couple different picks to try to get back in it. Well, I you know it. what? Kevin's going to go to shake Demarcus's cousin's Demarcus cousin's hand afterwards. You know, for the correct pick, and he's not going to shake his hand. <laughs> Memphis at Utah. Final one. Memphis is giving eight, and I will take. Utah. I will take Utah as well. Oh, no, we're all taking Utah. Trey Burke with that game-winning three a few days ago was the man. Give me Utah. Yeah. You keep keep bringing up everything I want to say right before I want to say it. Trey Burke knocked down that game-winning three off the Gordon Hayward drive. I'm absolutely going Utah. Let's go Jazz. Oh, we're all – this is so – we're all taking similar picks here. Oh, man. It happens, man. There's a lot more week. Oh, my goodness. All right, we got to get out of here. Thanks again to our guest, Spiro Ditas, WFB alum. Uh, Voice of the Knicks on MSG Radio Networks on ESPN, New York 98.7 FM, and then also sometimes on MSG. And he was doing college basketball at the NCAA tournament for CBS, so so glad he could join us today. And again, you can follow us on Twitter at WFUV Sports at Matty Rose 16 across from me. I'm at Kenny Ducey at Sir Kevin Kelly has a Twitter. He's back. He's I, made it, I, made it, I made it for him, folks. What, any comment on that, Kev? You haven't, you haven't tweeted yet. I haven't tweeted. I don't think I've even been on it since that day. A lot of anticipation. I'm gonna have to text you about it. I'm like, I'm, yeah. so, I'm so, 
<laughs> oh my god, I'm so excited for Kev's first tweet. All right, we'll see you later.